0: 4 We're going to read 12 verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, the elders, and the scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many were of the family of the high priests, were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had sat them in the midst, they asked, By what power or what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, By what means has he been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man he stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Speak to our hearts, spirit of the living God, I pray. Lord, wreck every person in this building today for your glory and for your kingdom. Baptize with the Holy Spirit. Save the sinner, heal the sick. Lord, we thank you for everything you want to do today. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. And just want to catch you up to speed. Uh, We're in a series right now that we've entitled Upside Down. And if you were here last Sunday, um, I started that with the message entitled The Promise of the Father. The Promise of the Father. And we looked at how Jesus commissioned the disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem until they received the promise. Of the Holy Spirit. And we saw how the Holy Spirit was with them. Then he came and lived in them. At salvation Jesus breathed on them. And said receive the Holy Spirit. And then we read where Jesus said. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we looked at how the Holy Spirit came upon them. In power to serve the living God. The Holy Spirit inside of us is for salvation. The Holy Spirit upon us is for service this week i want to kind of continue down that same thought and go a little bit further down the road um, if we can with the message that i've entitled can i get a witness can i have some help in here this morning yes. so i want you to announce my title with me today can you say that can you say can i get a witness come on say it yes. can i get a witness we're going to talk about today the witness of the message of the resurrection. You know, when I think about a witness, I think about the court system. I've liked a lot of court shows growing up. My parents watched a lot of court shows. And, and a witness is somebody who is brought to the stage, brought to the platform uh, by the lawyer team, the defense team, everything. And their job is to communicate what they have seen and what they have heard. Or a witness's job is to be an evidence producer. In other words, they are to bring cadence to the situation at hand to help and build the case. See, when you look at the word witness in that aspect, it makes more sense, doesn't it? When Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You shall receive power. Afterward, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. See, when the Holy Spirit touches and empowers our life, we should be witnessing to what has happened to us. Amen? We should be witnessing to the world around us, to people who have not had an encounter with Christ. Our testimony should be that Jesus is alive. Let me show you. You see, in Acts chapter 2, it shows us the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The upper room power came as the disciples received the wind of God, the fire of God, went out into the street, and people were saved by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter, impacted by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who had once been denying Christ to a little girl, now sticking his finger in the face of those who crucified the Messiah. And people were saved and and God began to move as he established his church in glory. But Acts chapter 3 begins to tell us a little bit of a different story. That after the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the disciples did what they knew how to do. They continued in prayer. Can I tell you, prayer ought to be the primary thing in the life of every believer. Amen. Prayer is so important. If you don't have a prayer life, you don't have a prayer time, you need a prayer life and you need a prayer time. I don't mean just the prayer, oh, God, help me. Those are good, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just communicating with God, having times of fellowship and intimacy with your heavenly Father and just talking with Him. The disciples did this on a regular basis. And Acts chapter 3 records that as they went to prayer, there was a man Outside of the gate called beautiful. This man was decrepit. His limbs were not working. His muscles would not do what his mind thought they should do. And he was sitting there debilitated and broken at the side of this gate with his cup out. Anybody been to Oklahoma City lately? And you drive under the underpasses and the overpasses and the panhandlers and the peddlers are out there everywhere. That is what this man was doing. He was having out there with a cup. He was saying, feed me. He might have had a sign. I don't know what he had, but he was saying, feed me. Give me some money. And the disciples came, and as they were going to the place of prayer, they locked eyes with this man. There's no telling how many times they had passed him in previous time, but there was something different about this day. These disciples had just been previously encountered and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And now they lock eyes on this man. And and this man is saying, alms, alms, please give me something. Can't you see that I cannot walk? I don't know if he needed money to pay his, his bills. I don't know if he needed money for food. But he needed something. But what this man wanted wasn't really what he needed. See, this man wanted some money for a Starbucks latte. He wanted some money to buy him a fish sandwich at the Jerusalem market. But what he really needed was a miracle. You see, you teach him, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You, feed, you teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. This man didn't need a handout. He needed a hand up. Well, it just so happened that today was the day. That as they were walking, the man said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And I can just imagine Peter and the others reaching down and forcefully picking the man up and putting him up on his feet. And I love what Acts chapter 3 says. Immediately, instantaneously, his feet and his ankle bones began to receive strength. They crackled and they popped and, and the muscles begin to reform and they begin to get strength. And all of a sudden what this man did was he began to jump and to shout and to praise God. Now, I, I, I've got friends of all different persuasions. I have Methodist, Baptist, Church of Christ, Pentecostal, different types of friends. And one of the things that my non-Pentecostal friends criticize us who are of the Pentecostal persuasion is this is our exuberance They say, well, we don't know why you clap. Well, we don't know why you shout. We don't know why you dance. It really doesn't take all that. Well, you couldn't have told that to the man at the gate called Beautiful who could not walk, who could not dance, who could not shout. But when something hit his life, he had to testify to what Jesus was doing in his life. He could not sit there and keep his mouth shut. He could not sit there and just kind of keep his, his, you know, decent to himself he could not he must tell somebody about what Jesus was doing in his life come on somebody and I wonder if there's anybody in this room this morning who can tell somebody what Jesus is doing in your life. If Jesus has done something, a miracle, a restoration in your life, you ought to testify. You ought to tell somebody. You ought to get up and shout and praise the Lord because He's worthy to be praised. Y'all, are making me work too hard this morning. I know it's Super Bowl day, but it's Super Bowl Sunday every day because... He is on the circle of the earth and hallelujah and our prayers are in the bowls of heavens what Revelation says. Hallelujah. I'm telling you I'm excited about about what Jesus is doing and I don't know if you've ever received a miracle in your life but when God touches you and His power changes your life you've got to get up and tell somebody. And so this was not a quiet miracle. It was not a reserved miracle. This miracle was one where this man had to shout it from the rooftops. And so naturally you know what began to happen? A crowd began to draw. That crowd began to gather around. And whether or not they intended to, they had a skeptical. Because people had seen this man at this gate before. Perhaps they gave him money. Perhaps. They just walked by like they didn't see him. But nonetheless, they saw this man there day in and day out, and they could not deny the miracle that Jesus had done in his life. Which brings us to the beginning of Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, this miracle caused a mess. And these disciples, whom were in a moment of great joy, found themselves in the middle of a great conflict. We need to go back and I want you to read this with me one more time in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says, And now as they spoke to the people, so what does that mean? Stop right there. This is in the crowd, somebody say in the crowd. They're in the mix of the miracle. They are in the crowd, and as they spoke to the people, all of a sudden, the priests, the religious people, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees, the other religious rulers, they came upon them, and they being disturbed, they were disturbed that these people taught and preached in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, and so they laid hands on them, not in altar call style. They apprehended them. And they took them into captivity. Put them in custody, the holding cell, until the next day for it was already evening. But it was too late. Somebody say it was too late. Why? Number, verse number four. Because however, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. One miracle produced 5,000 salvations. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, the elders, the scribes, then they went and got the whole family, Annas, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all of them, many who were as gathered together at Jerusalem, and they sat them in the midst. They began to interrogate them, said, what's all this ruckus about? What are you guys doing? What is going on? And I love the disciples said, if we're being charged here because of what we've done to an innocent, helpless man, let it be known to you today that we didn't do this on our own power, but we did this. Through the name of Jesus, whom you crucified. He was a stone that the builders rejected. And now there's no salvation, verse 12, in any other name. For there's no other name given among men, whereby we must be saved. As I was looking at this the last couple of weeks and studying, there are a couple of things that began to stand out to me in this message This morning that I've entitled, Can I Get a Witness? First of all, number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, what stood out to me was the message that they preached. The message that they preached. Look at verse number two with me. It says, They were greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. You've got to understand that at this season, that this is post-resurrection. Uh, Jesus had already raised from the dead. See, the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see, because after (laughs) death there was no life. Thank you, Sister Bobo, third grade Sunday school teacher. But notice they preached in Christ the resurrection from the dead. There was this message that they preached that I see was amazing. You see, these disciples had been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's power came on the inside of them. They see a man who is lame. They, they cause him to come up and, and to walk in Christ's name. Strength and everything begins to, to come into his body. And he begins to talk about how in Jesus' name, I was healed. In Jesus' name, I was saved. In Jesus' name, I was delivered. And these disciples are going about preaching this message. Everybody say the message. See, it matters what message that you preach. See, that they preach Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, and man reconciled back to God see they weren't preaching the religious rules that the Pharisees preached they weren't preaching the laws of Moses they weren't preaching the Sadducee uh, order of of the day they were preaching that Jesus came that he was the Messiah that he lived a sinless life that he was crucified and and buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later he rose again and they preached about the resurrection of the dead and all of these Jewish men and women who were close by they began to tell them that if you believe on the name of Jesus, you will also rise again. and You will also have eternal life. Friends, let me tell you something. That message sparked something in the lives of these people. And even though it was a, a, a stressful situation for them, these people received the Lord and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. But most importantly, my friend, these people, these messengers, these disciples... They had been impacted. And because they were impacted, they had to tell somebody. They had to testify. They had to witness. See, when the Holy Spirit's power is upon your life, you want to testify. Uh, let, let me share this little nugget of truth with you right here. Are you ready for this? When you've been impacted by Christ it's the natural thing to do is to tell others. When you've been impacted by Christ, the natural thing to do is to tell others. I'm going to say it till you get it this morning. When you've been impacted by Christ, the natural thing to do is to tell others. I'm going to say it one more time. When you've been impacted by Christ, the natural thing to do is to tell others. Uh, see, see, you understand, um, we, we've got this, 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 this vaccine thing going on in the world today and it's affected the church, but not how you think. Because the, the, the whole concept of a vaccine is to give you enough of the substance that you don't become contagious or really become a threat to anybody else. And so we become inoculated with the gospel, but we're not contagious, We've got enough of Jesus to stimulate us a little bit, but not enough for us to be totally abandoned. Come on, somebody. You say, Pastor, how how can you say that? How can you believe that? Let's take a poll this morning. When's the last time you led somebody to Jesus Christ? When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody openly and unashamed? See, my friends, listen, tongues may be the initial evidence of the baptism of the Spirit, but the purpose of the baptism is to tell others about Christ. That's why, to me, the measurement on whether or not a man or a woman is filled with the Spirit of God is not how many tongues they speak in, but how many souls they impact for the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Y'all preaching better than I'm shouting this morning. Come on. I'm telling you right now, God wants us to preach the right message. And whenever we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, what happens is we have a desire on the inside of us to want to tell other people about Jesus. Oh man, I can't contain it. Tell you, when the power of the Holy Spirit changes your life, you won't shut up about it. People say, that's all you talk about. That's all there is. Come on, I mean, when you're saved, you see Him in everything. You see Him in the clouds. You see Him in the dust. You see Him in the wind. You see Him in the fire. When you've been impacted by the power of the Lord Jesus, you see Him everywhere. But they preached the right message. That isn't just it. The second thing we see. Not just the message they preached. But we see the miracles it produced. Look at verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. It says about, which means that was an approximated number. Could have been a few more. could, Could have been a few less. But if you know anything about Bible days... And, and how women were viewed in society, they only counted the men. That doesn't even count women and children. Could have been close to 10, 12,000 people who were saved at that moment who had given their lives to Christ. And so we have to understand about the miracles it produced. Going back to chapter 3, the gospel rehabilitated dead flesh. The Spirit of God came into a broken, crippled body and gave life back to it. The gospel affects the flesh of humanity, but not just that. But when the word of God was preached, the spirit of a man was was regenerated and born again. I want you to think about it. Due to the demonstration of this miracle and preaching the gospel, the count of these men and women were thousands of people who had given their life to Christ. The testimony and the witness of Jesus brought salvation to humanity. Do you know, folks, that when we preach the right message, when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we tell people about His saving power, when we testify about what He's done in our life, it produces hope and salvation in the hearts of men and women because Jesus is the only answer today. He's the only answer. I want you to make no mistake about it. The right message will always produce the right results. The right message will always produce the right results. I want you to think about this this morning. So important. So important. So important. So important in the age of technology, so important in the age of, of information, where you turn on uh, YouTube or you can turn on any type of channel and, and see anything live or recorded that you could possibly ever think of: churches of all sizes, kinds, shapes, colors. And you know, folks, one things we have to realize is, is that everything that glitters is not gold. There is a such thing as fool's gold. Everything that glitters is not gold. And and I want to tell you something. Everything that says Jesus is not Jesus. You know, Pastor Jose and some of my Latin American friends and Hispanic friends will tell you, there's a lot of Jesuses running around in, in Latin America. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Everything that says Jesus isn't Jesus. And I want you to know something. Everything that calls itself preaching is not preaching. A lot of what we have in the world today, honestly, I'm just being honest, in our churches in America and around the world is nothing but self-help. Out of context, Bible verses to puff up the flesh and to cause somebody to feel better about themselves. But let me tell you something, my friend. The gospel is not about you feeling better about yourself. The gospel is about you dying to yourself. The gospel is not about you having the better life. The gospel is about you losing your life and living the crucified life so that when you give up your life, Jesus will receive you into heaven. And these disciples preach the right message. And friends, I ask myself the question sometimes, why is it that we don't see the salvations, the miracles, the things that we see like we used to see? And could it be because the right message isn't being proclaimed? The right message always produces the right results. Not just that, but the third thing I want to share with you this morning is this, verse 7. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, And when they had sat them in the midst, they asked him, By what power or by what name have you done this? Stop right there. We see the message they preached. We see the miracles it produced. Number three, we're going to look at the mess it created. By preaching the gospel, they found themselves temporarily incarcerated in holding cell. Here, there was a great citizen of Jerusalem who was lame, incapacitated, a burden on society. You would think that everybody would be happy that Jesus had come to town through the ministry of the of the Holy Spirit via the hands of the apostles. And you would think that, that they would be happy that this man had received his life back to them. You would think that everybody would be shouting, right? I mean, I would be shouting. You would think everybody would be shouting. But you know what? They weren't shouting. Everybody wasn't shouting. You've got to understand, this was a hybrid of a system. It was a hybrid of a system in Jerusalem of that day. It was a hybrid religious slash Political system. You think religious systems can get bad? You think political systems can get bad? Mix them together. Mix them together. When the word began to spread, the Sanhedrin got involved. Called for them to be arrested and brought them before the council. The Sanhedrin, by the way, is the same group who ordered Christ to be crucified. Notice this. They called all the elders, all the rulers, all the scribes, Annas, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all the rulers of the household. They brought them in together. Get this. There were 24 elders, 24 rulers, 22 scribes, plus the high priest, and anybody else that were in their house. So there were like around 70 religious rulers Who were sitting there trying the apostles for simply preaching and ministering to a sick man. Here's the thing. They were mad because Jesus came in and flipped upside down their broken religious system. I'm going to say that one more time. They were mad because Jesus had flipped upside down their broken religious system. They had a form of godliness but they had no power. Yet they could not deny what they had seen and what they had heard. See, the Holy Spirit not only turned the disciples upside down, but the Holy Spirit also turned the system upside down. And so they were so used to their religious pomp and circumstance and being good little Jewish boys and girls not minding the fact that they totally disregarded the prophecies of the Messiah coming and rejected Christ at his first coming. But now we find that the Holy Spirit has come in through the apostles and they're ministering in the name of Jesus and the moment that their apple cart gets upside down, they begin to get mad and they begin to fume and they begin to get upset. And so what do they do? They seek to to bind the hands, the feet, and the mouth of the apostles. See, friends, it's no mistake. It's a big mistake to think that everybody will like you just because you love Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, if the world hated me, they also hate you. For the servant is not any greater than his master. But when the, when the Holy Spirit showed up into the middle of the religious system, what it did was it revealed what was lacking. Because they knew about God, but they didn't know Him. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you didn't hear me this morning. They knew about God, but they didn't know Him. Let me tell you how much they didn't know him. The two-legged, two-armed son of God in human flesh showed up right in front of their face and they rejected him. They didn't even know who he was. He did every sign he needed to do. He proved himself in every kind of way, but they rejected him over and over and over. And so this created a mess. And friends, let me just tell you this morning that if the world didn't like Jesus, the world won't like us. But I want you to know something. We're not called to be like the world. We're called to change the world. Glory to God. We're called to turn it upside down with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll take that one amen. Problem is, is the world changes us more than we change it. There was a day when men like Great men of God, like Billy Sunday, preached in America. And it caused all the bars and the communities and alcohol sales to stop because so many people were getting saved. Billy Sunday preached and they ran him out of town because the moonshiners and all of the the alcohol people were so upset because they lost their profits, they lost everything. Today we got people arguing on whether you can or can't drink alcohol. My, have the tides changed. We are called to affect the world around us, and we will never, ever affect the world around us unless we have a bold witness for Jesus Christ. We are living in a, in a society today where we're too enamored whether or not people like us. We can't post anything on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter without going back and looking at it five minutes later to see how many people liked it what if nobody likes it what if only Jesus likes it come on somebody will we still do it will we still say it will we still post it I'm here to tell you this morning it doesn't matter if you're popular on earth as long as you're popular in heaven that's what matters that's what matters it created a mess Now the religious people are upset. They got them in chains. They got them bound up. But the story actually doesn't end there. Go a little bit further down in our passage to uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 18. Verse 18 it says, So they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and when we have heard. So the fourth thing that I want to talk to you about, number four, is the mandate that they implemented. So how are we going to fix the mess? Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to shut their mouth. We're going to threaten them. And we're going to tell them to shut their mouth. And folks, let me tell you, this is in the Bible, but it's not super far from where we're living today. We live in America in a place that used to be called free speech, free press. But now the FCC and everything else, they say, well, if you get on TV and you're preaching, you get on the internet, you're preaching, they don't like it, they just take it down. Take it down. There are certain subjects because we're live on Facebook right now. And Facebook reads uh, ahead and does captioning for the hearing impaired. And there are certain words, there are certain subjects right now that if I go to talking about them for any length of time, they'll pull the whole video down. We are living in a censored society. But the question we're going to ask this, no matter the mandate that they implement, are we still going to hold fast under pressure? Are we still going to hold fast under pressure? Notice this, they told them you can no longer preach nor teach in the name of Jesus. They said, you know what, you're going to have to stop that. But I love what they said. They said, is it a right for us to obey you or to obey God? I'll let you figure that one out. They said, but for us, we cannot help but to speak of the things which we have seen and which we have heard. What were these disciples trying to say? You can threaten me. You can try to... To to censor me. You can do all of these things, but I will not be quiet. I refuse to shut my mouth because Jesus paid too high of a price. His impact impacted my life so much that I cannot deny it. You can mandate it all you want to, but my friends, listen to me. We will not shut up. We will be loud. We will be boisterous. We will be bold. Come on, we will do whatever we have to do because it's better to obey God than it is to obey man. Friends, the government is only to be obeyed unless it goes against the mandates of God's word. I'm going to let you marinate on that one. Religion and the world systems always feel threatened by the church. We are countercultured. Salmon, when they go to lay their eggs, they swim against the current. They go upstream. Christians are not supposed to go with the flow. We're supposed to go against the flow. (laughs) If the world is going this way, and you're going this way, you're probably going the wrong way. We're supposed to go against the grain. And guess what happens? The world always feels threatened by the church. You don't believe this? It's in living color every single day. You know, we live in Oklahoma. Not quite what some people would would consider the Bible belt, but it's, it's still, you know, religious community, conservatives, people who love Jesus for the most part. And... Do you know, you probably don't even know this, but back last year, year and a half ago, we had a pastor in the Senate that got reprimanded for the way they prayed in Jesus' name. At the White House, in Congress, you can be Buddhist and pray, no problem. Muslim, pray, no problem. You can do all of those things. You can be an atheist and pray, but they get so upset if you mention the name of Jesus, you got to ask yourself the question, why? Because the powers of hell are scared of that name. Because demons tremble at that name. I want you to put yourself in this, in this situation this morning. How would you feel? How would you react? How would you respond if you were in this place? So many Christians try to be good little Christians and they just say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Because after all, if you disobey the government, you don't get the government stuff. Come on, somebody. But I want you to think about something. How did the apostles overcome this type of pressure? How did they overcome this type of pressure? Now we have a law of progression here. Acts chapter one, they're on their way to the upper room. Acts chapter two, they're in the upper room. Holy Spirit is poured out. Acts chapter three, they are ministering to people as they're throughout their daily day. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. Then they get apprehended in prison, and, and and now here they are at a problem. You'd think about something. How do you face the pressure and the persecution that comes against the church, that comes against the message, that comes against the very fabric of what we believe in? I think it's found in our text. Go back to Acts 4 with me and look at this. Verse number 18. Let's go back there again. It says, They called and they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's good or right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they, uh, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what he had done. For this man was 40 years old when the miracle of healing had been performed. Look at verse 23. And being let go, they went their own way to their own companions and reported all that the the, priest, the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And so when they had heard that, notice this. They raised their voice to God with one accord. You know what they did after this moment? They found themselves in a corporate prayer meeting. They lifted up their voice with one accord and they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. By whom the mouth of your holy servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and to the people of Israel, were gathered together to do what your hand, your purpose determined before time to be done. Now look at verse 29. Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal so that signs and wonders might be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Look at this next verse, 31, right here. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Darren, you can come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to land the plane right here for just a moment. See, we looked at the mandate they implemented. But number five, I want to finish with this one. I want to look at the method that they used. The method that they employed. Look at this. What did they do? They went back to the beginning. I, 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 I took this long road this morning to show you A principle. (laughs) Trying to make sure I use my words correctly. I want to show you a principle. Notice here, Jesus breathed on the disciples. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit on the inside. Salvation. Then he told them to go to the upper room. He said, you'll receive the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit outpouring will come upon you. You'll be a witness for me. They receive the Holy Spirit coming upon them in Acts chapter 2. They are baptized with the Holy Spirit. They are immersed and submerged with the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? But here's here's the issue. Here's the issue. The issue is is that they were filled in Acts chapter 2, right? They were filled, baptized, inside and out. Well, I've drank a little bit of this water, so a little bit of it's gone. They go and lay hands on this man, pull him out of his affliction. A little bit of water shakes out. It's a little bit lower than it was. Then they they come and they preach and they get arrested and a little bit more of that water shakes out and guess what happens? You have a little bit less than what you started of. And So what did they do? They went back to the start and they said, Lord, you see what's happening to us. You see the threatenings against us. They're threatening God to put us in prison for preaching your name. They don't want us to mention the name of Jesus. Lord, they're threatening our wife and our kids and everything around us. Lord, would you please, would you please look at us, God? and stretch out your hand towards us so that when we stretch out our hands towards the people that signs and wonders will happen so they won't be able to to gainsay or to speak against us like the crippled man. They'll be able to say I don't understand it but I can't deny it. And as they assembled together and prayed here's what happened. The place where they were was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Hold up now. Hold up. Hold up. They, they, they were already filled in Acts chapter 2. Well, I got news for some of you. Apparently, Jesus doesn't believe in once filled, always filled. Yeah, you have the salvation at, at, at the Baptist, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you as salvation. But, babe, your, your cup has a hole in it. Or Maybe life shakes a little bit of water out of you. Maybe that, that, that fighting with your spouse. Maybe that, that bankruptcy. Maybe that circumstance in your life. Maybe something happens and it causes a little bit. And guess what happens? God wants us to go back to the source. And say, Lord, I feel dry. I feel empty. I'm being persecuted. Things are happening in my life. And I just need a fresh outpouring of your spirit what I got yesterday was good for yesterday but I need fresh manna today I need a fresh word today I need fresh power today and that's what happened so many people are trying to live off of yesterday's fire when today he has an opportunity for us to receive a fresh opportunity to be a witness for him